Welcome back to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiba, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of creativity with you. Each week, I'm hashtag gifting you two episodes with ways you can become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best-kept industry secrets to creating content worth remembering. Sound good? All right, let's dive into it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So before we get into the unethical shit that brands do to creators and how you can spot it from a mile away... I'd like to introduce you to a new segment on the podcast, The Goods. Um, I'm not really sure if we're going to stick with that name, but that's what we've got for now. So each week on The Goods, we'll highlight the goods of the creative industry, the haps, the 411, the hot topics in the advertising, marketing, and influencer worlds alike. The purpose of this is to bring you into the conversations that go on within the culture of the creative industry, an industry that you're a part of, by the way. It's all to inspire you, empower you, and ultimately invite you to have a seat at the table. So it wouldn't be a proper introductory segment of the goods if we didn't talk about Donda. So let's talk about Donda for a minute. Have you taken a listen? Have you, what do you think? Like, I'm so curious to hear people's thoughts about this album. Um, which, by the way, you can always DM me at Kate Mob um, to talk about anything that we discuss on this podcast. Um, while I think the cover is a bit bleak, and if your phone is on dark mode, you probably missed it, which I don't see as a problem. <laughs> um, the album itself is truly a very Kanye experience. Super artistic, a little trolly, kind of culty, um, just like very on brand for one of our time's most controversial and talented creative artists like I truly think he is an artist um which is I think a very rare concept nowadays unfortunately but the thing that's the most impressive here is how Kanye was able to market his album I mean he looks just took every trick imaginable and used it to his advantage living in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium which if you don't know I currently live in Atlanta and uh yeah that was a whole thing here (laughs) The in-person listening party is playing devil's advocate with having problematic artists like DaBaby and Marilyn Manson featured on the album or, like, featured at the listening party in Chicago. Um, The entire Kardashian family, obviously, like, rooting for him and posting his album for days. I saw that meme with Kim (laughs) sharing screenshots of his, of listening to his album, but she had them on mute. Um... Just, like, the fashion, just, like, the artistic and creative direction of everything in general. Now, Kanye is one of our most impressive creatives, like, of our generation in general. And this makes a lot of sense because not too long ago, Kanye actually had his own creative agency, also called Donda after his late mother. And he collaborated with some of the world's most renowned creative talent. A lot of these people have their own careers now and their own businesses. Um, But moreover... And just, like, to stay relevant for over a decade, especially in the music industry, where you 
are fighting to be heard, literally, you have to be able to predict human behavior so well and understand your audience so well. Give people what they want. Give people what they don't want and still make them want it, you know? And that's exactly what Kanye does. He really, like, throws curveballs all the time, which you really wouldn't expect somebody to still be able to do after, like, being 10 years in the industry where you know just, like, everything inside and out, right? So... Say what you want about him, but I definitely think he's an artist you can't forget. I'm very rare. That's super rare nowadays. Um, So excited to hear what you think about Donda. If you listen to it, if you haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend checking it out. And obviously, congratulations to Kanye and his team on releasing the Donda album. It's phenomenal. Um, Diving into our second topic, Gary Vee is launching another book, you guys. It's called Twelve and a Half. Um, leveraging the emotional ingredients necessary for business success. We're all going to play it cool and pretend like I didn't memorize that title. (laughs) I saw several screenshots of the book and I've got to say I'm very impressed. Um, I actually pre-ordered it and it seems just like by the information I've seen, the screenshots I've seen, that it does kind of cater to people in like a corporate structure or like a traditional nine to five. But I personally think it's also useful to anybody who has their own business, including creators and influencers like yourself, because I do think that you are a business and you are a brand. Um, especially if you have a team or you're planning to hire a team or you work with other people in general, or maybe this is like your side hustle in addition to your nine to five. But it's it's definitely based on a business concept that I think many people frown upon, which is like tapping into the, your emotional side and, and, and feelings and like human aspects of you as opposed to just like your business aspects or rationality. You know, I often like to say that professionally, I prefer to leave my feelings at the door like a wet umbrella <laughs> um, just because I think that the first person that gets really emotional and like a professional setting is always the one who has the the least amount of control in the room but at the end of the day we're human and things affect us and understanding our emotions allows us to grow and evolve and learn things about ourselves um as humans as professionals so the best part of what I've seen of Gary's new book so far aside from the fact that it does focus on more of an emotional human aspect side to business as opposed to just like money 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 more 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 is that similarly to the way that my free ebook is organized on katemob.com, which if you haven't seen yet, it's on the topic of how to create sponsored content that's not boring. It actually outlines my entire creative framework for how I would go about creating an idea for a client. Um, so you should definitely check it out. I'm a little biased, but it's it's pretty awesome. Um, anyways, this book puts you, Gary's new book puts you also in real life scenarios. So like my free ebook is organized the same way. It puts you in real life scenarios and asks you questions and like provokes thinking and doesn't just talk at you. It it, like makes you think about things in a different way. And there's nothing I just like more in like business or marketing books than it feeling like you're reading through someone's just list of accomplishments or looking into somebody's trophy case, right? Or like, you know, seeing them rant through their personal experiences that ultimately have nothing to do with you or what you'll experience because you're not them. So I love that 12 and a half um, asks you questions at like, and puts you in scenarios. Like, for example, I think this was one of them. You're trying to build your reputation with 
xyz and then it goes to describe the scenario and it ends with like a question like what would you do what would you do in the past how do you take what you did in the past and what you would do now to learn in the future like those kinds of questions like really thought-provoking stuff so I think that's pretty awesome so yes I pre-ordered it because I wholeheartedly believe that emotional growth is so 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 important because it's how you're able to show up for your audience and your business and your life you know it's it's that act of like putting on your oxygen mask first and being able to breathe safely and securely and fully before helping somebody adjust theirs, right? Um, So yeah, highly recommend the book. And our final topic for today is um, to make you aware that Louisiana is amidst Hurricane Ida recovery. We are going to see a lot of brands create efforts to find ways to support these communities and ask you to join in on these efforts. Don't wait for them to start the conversation and please do what you can to support the people and businesses you know directly or contribute to organizations like Rebuilding Together, Project Hope, World Central Kitchen. There's so, so many more being shared on social media. Um, Do your research on trustworthy organizations and GoFundMes that are looking to help the community as well. I will be donating and I highly encourage you to do the same. So that was this part of the goods. And now on to the main part of the episode, which is where we are talking about unethical shit that brands do to influencers. Oh, the unethical shit brands do to influencers. Good God, where do I even begin? So over the past 13 years of my creative journey, 13 years, you guys, I started with a Tumblr in 2008 on my mom's computer. (laughs) very glamorous. (laughs) Um, I've gotten to know what I would like to call malpractices that brands like to pull on creators and most of them are now industry standard. Like they're totally acceptable. I know. Mind blown emoji. Um, It's just shocking how many people still take the bait also, which is why I think it continues to be industry standard. Um, And also because like, you know, people have recently just started calling out brands for this kind of stuff. So for the majority of my creative journey, I was a content creator, just like you on every platform imaginable, Tumblr, YouTube, Facebook, Vine, Instagram, TikTok, everything, and worked with small and huge brands alike. But I'm also an art director who's worked inside brands and agencies where I got to be part of the internal conversation of influencer-related discussions that were attached to the inner workings of advertising campaigns. So basically what I'm trying to say here is I've seen my fair deal of shit. And if brands are listening, <laughs> take notes and do better, honey. Okay? Like, ugh. This episode and honestly every single other one on Kindly Gifted was inspired by a conversation. And most of them happen with fellow creatives and influencers. I posted on my stories not too long ago that I love having influencer friends because one chat will inspire like three podcast episodes. Um, And the conversation in question here is one that I had with a TikToker friend of mine who creates book-related content. And he was sharing with me that a brand that he's never heard of before contacted him about like his first ever collaboration. So my first thought was obviously like, oh God, I bet they're trying to scam him, which it's sad that like, that's where my mind immediately went. But hey, (laughs) like I said, it's industry standard. So he was sharing with me that 
this brand offered him a PR box with coffee and reusable straws and a monetary compensation of $100 if, (laughs) the big if, if he signed a contract that said he'd get the $100 only if he posts about the free product he received. Now, from what he mentioned, the brand didn't include anything similar to like, hey, try this out, let us know if you like it. If you do, let's work together on a post and we'll pay you $100. Mm, no. It was like, you sign the contract, we'll send you the product, You then you got a post, then you'll get the $100. <clears throat> Make like Usain Bolt and run the other way fast, is what I told him. My first thought um, after he mentioned all this to me was, Is this brand, like, really that insecure about the quality of their product that they have to trap people into signing a contract to advertise for them? What? Like, what? Whether or not they like this product? That's just weird. Now, of course, the strategy could have been recommended to them by somebody else or they found it from, like, a quote-unquote social media expert talking about this or something. But objectively speaking, this is false advertising. That's what you're asking somebody essentially to do. Like, how is it ethical to ask someone to try your product and then immediately legally bind them into posting about it whether or not they liked it? Because in that case, you know, I'll buy my own coffee, okay? And Target doesn't make me sign a contract at the register. Thank you very much. So this just, like, screams small dick energy to me, but my advice aside from grabbing your dignity and sprinting away, would be to renegotiate these contract terms if you, A, want to work with the brand, and or, B, do the job that most people avoid but is actually part of your job, which is to educate them on why this is unethical and why this is a problem to do that. Because, yeah, they might not know, or they think that they can get away with it, And then there's another member of the creator community who's going to be abused by this kind of policy. Because otherwise, if you accept the collaboration right off the bat, you're being, you're, I wanted to say you're being put, no, you're putting yourself in a seriously liable position because it is your job to earn the trust of your audience. And we've all seen how quickly you can lose that trust by people sniffing out that you're advertising something that you don't even like for the sake of money or building your media kit like don't even get me started on the list of influencers that have done that right but in my opinion your ethics are worth more than a hundred dollars your ethics are priceless and ultimately what can differentiate you from other influencers that are also working with brands and that are also competing for the advertising budget um because you can work with the most famous brands in the world But if you made money by falsely advertising something that you don't even care about or haven't tried or worse, tried and you didn't like, like you would like give them like like a no star Yelp review if you could, then everything else doesn't matter because that's not influence. It's lying. It's your role playing as an influencer, your make belief. And you're taking advantage of a community that you've built around you that trusts you. So another thing that brands do that really gets under my skin, and this one I'm sure you've seen yourself, but it's a pretty common tactic. It's been around for a really long time. Can't believe that it's been around for this long. Um, It's also a tactic that my 
former employer used to use with their influencer campaigns. But it's the it's <laughs> it's the thing that like e- these emails, okay? It's these emails that start with like, "Hey Kate, I work at Kindly Gifted. We saw your Instagram at Kate Mob and we just love your vibe." <laughs> no, you don't, Becky. You don't even know my vibe. Because <laughs> Hmm. If I take out the name Kate and I substitute any other name into that 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 email, you could then copy and paste that text and send it off to someone else. And that's exactly what they do. First of all, they don't just send it to you. They send it to literally everybody. But it literally gives me no insight that the brand knows anything about me. This is a trick loads of brands use, especially those like weirdo swimwear bots that'll send you DM requests. We've we've all seen it. Okay, but the most shocking part to me is how many influencers continue to take the bait. So, like I said earlier, a reputable brand that I worked for used the same strategy for every single influencer campaign I've worked on during my employment. This was how they would reach out to influencers. And I was in charge of the art direction and, like, building out the briefs, getting the idea across... And building that out behind the campaign and the marketing director at the time asked me to also send out these types of DMs and emails with the like, we just love your vibe bullshit, right? After kind of giving my two cents and advising changes to create a more personalized kind of messaging, it wasn't approved because we were in a time crunch, okay? So instead, I, I ended up pawning this task off to my colleagues because I could not ethically send an email like that. I just couldn't. So I ended up being like, hey, I'm really swamped. Can you help me with this thing? Like, I just couldn't force myself to send an email that was completely impersonal, that had my signature on it. Like, I just couldn't. So I've received too many of these emails myself and they go straight to the trash every single time. But oh my god, so many influencers took the bait when when these emails were sent out with my former employer. Although I was happy to see, I will say, that many of them did ask for compensation. Like a lot of them would be like, oh, cool, yeah, this sounds awesome. They'd check out the brand or whatever. And then they would be like, oh, but here's my rates, right? So the company was ultimately forced to like revise their strategy and increase the budget in order to allow for like more monetary compensation or monetary compensation at all if that was previously not an, something that they wanted to give to the influencer. Even though the initial goal was to reach as many people as possible while spending enough money to buy like a two buck chuck, which is always the like, most of the time the goal with these kinds of emails is to like basically get you to do something for free or get you on their email list or get you to like, you know, post a story or something that really doesn't matter to them at all. Just trying to get as many eyes on their product and their business as possible. So please remember if a brand tells you that they love your vibe without providing any extra evidence or information as to why, like citing your posts and things you said or bringing up things about your life that could have taken them two seconds to find seeing how much influencers post about themselves and their life and what's going on right they don't care about you if they send this kind of email to you with the like "Mm, you're so cool love your vibe right they care about selling a product and you've got a number of followers that can help them do that but the 
The thing is, you're not a number. You're not a billboard. You're not a Rolodex of people following you. And you're not a piece of real estate on the Monopoly game board that they can just kind of rent out whatever. So thank you. Next. Like, these are just not, you know, collaborations that you would want to be a part of because it just shows that the people contacting you couldn't give two shits about you. So why should you care about them, right? So the final thing that brands do that is maybe not necessarily unethical from a marketing standpoint um, or people would argue is like a subjective I would say as a creative and somebody who you know makes a living off of her intellectual property I would say this is super sleazy okay and this is where things can get a little complicated concerning usage rights and ownership rights of your content and how brands are able to use your content for marketing purposes and and things like that. So I want to have an episode dedicated to this in its entirety and bring on a guest and really talk about it um, in in a longer form because this is a larger topic than we can cover in a couple minutes. But I just want to get your gears turning about this because this is an important topic. This is what you're making money off of. And there's a lot of opportunity to make even more money off of the usage rights and ownership rights um, and just be educated on how to handle this. Now, the disclaimer that I want to say here is that I am not a lawyer. I am not a legal expert. This is not legal advice. Um, If you are looking to consult a legal expert about usage rights and ownership rights and contracts and all that I highly recommend that you reach out to a lawyer because I am not a lawyer um but usage rights and ownership rights does concern you and it is an important thing to make yourself aware of and research and understand and consult a lawyer and talk through your options so I just wanted to put that out there essentially usage rights is basically a license for an x amount of time that a brand can use your content. It is not ownership rights, where you transfer your ownership of your content to the brand indefinitely, and they own it then. So as an example of usage rights, if I were to work with Converse and they wanted to have one of my photos on their feed for six months, I'd charge them a usage rights fee for six months. Please note that this is a separate fee from your content creation fee and it applies per post. So if they were to approve four posts to go live or four, I maybe shouldn't say per post because what if you did a carousel, right? So I'd say like per image um, or per video. So if they want approved four images or two images and and two videos or whatever to go live, you would charge four separate usage rights license fees or you would charge four separate ownership transfer fees depending on what you choose. Now, brands are supposed to include a usage rights clause in their contracts. So read your fucking contracts thoroughly. Again, if you don't understand something in your contract, You can always ask the brand a question. You can also consult a lawyer or a legal expert who can help you digest and help you understand your contract more thoroughly because what brands may do that I think is really sleazy and it has happened to me before and it has happened to other creators before 
is state that they own the usage rights to your content indefinitely. So if you were to sign the contract, you were signing away the ownership rights that you have to your content and giving it to them indefinitely. No, <laughs> not in this house. You need to have a discussion with the brand. First, mm -mm, back up. You need to read your contracts and then you need to have a discussion with the brand if there's something that you don't agree about and have those things amended and pay close attention to usage rights and ownership transfer and things like that. Because under law, um, from the research that I have found, although, yes, I'm going to remind you again that I am not a lawyer, <laughs> copyright and ownership doesn't automatically transfer to the brand or to anyone else unless you have granted this permission to the person that is requesting the ownership transfer or the copyright transfer. Typically, this is an agreement, this is in writing that you have proof of. You need to charge for that, whether it's a usage rights license or an ownership transfer, depending on what you want, depending on who you're working with, depending on your specific experience, you need to charge for that. That is how most influencers make the majority of their money. And it's a great way to score extra cash, big cash, okay? It's also like a semi passive income in a way because the active income that you would be making is the content creation side of things right because you have the rates that you have maybe in your media kit or however you communicate that to brands but then usage rights fees and ownership rights transfer fees are extra okay I really 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 wish I did a better job at this when I was like heavily in the influencer journey because I didn't really know anything about usage and ownership rights or anything like that. Um, wasn't really a topic that was discussed. Um, and if people knew about it, they kind of kept that information to themselves. And sure, I could have Googled it, but I really didn't know what to Google all the time. I didn't know this was a thing that people did, right? So until I started working with like a photographer towards maybe the tail end of my formal influencer journey... I didn't know about this stuff and she actually helped me learn more about this um, because she deals with usage rights every single day. Um, so in addition to other creator friends who were more experienced with content rights, who had more knowledge about this, who had maybe teams and legal experts helping them, my photographer also helped me figure this out. So this varies if you work with a photographer and how you guys determine who owns the content that you both created. So if you have another team member helping you create your content, that is also a discussion that you guys need to have. Like, who owns the content? How is that split? In my personal opinion, I, it's 50-50. So as an art director, when I work with, you know, models, when I work with other creatives on set, I think that we have in, an equal share of ownership in this content. We all put our, you know, creative talents and intellectual property in there. Not all people think that way. So if I, let's say, if we go by, by the, my thinking, like if the, if the ownership right, it, rights is 50-50 between me and my photographer, then I would be paying 50% of the ownership transfer fee or usage license fee that I charged to the brand that I was creating for, and I would pay that 50% to my co-creator whether that is a videographer whether that is a photographer and so on so I think it's important to also have a conversation if you have other team members like how do you split the ownership um and also to ensure that they're they're getting some of that fee of the ownership transfer fee or the usage license fee as well so this can be super overwhelming 
And it can be confusing, especially if you have never heard of this before. So I'd like to dedicate a separate episode to this because there are just so, so many points that can still be made here. And like in terms of a usage rights license, for example, if you were the sole creator of a post, like you shot it yourself and you grant the brand a license to use your post for marketing purposes only for six months. Here's something that I was recommended to do by a fellow creator is you you open a spreadsheet document, you put the date this license was granted to the brand, so add the brand name, the date of when the license expires, and then you ask them to send you a link to the post when it goes live so you can put that in the spreadsheet as well, and then when the six months is up, and if that content is still there, you reach out and you ask them if they'd like to renew the license. And this goes for every piece of content that you send them that gets approved to go live. If they don't want to renew the usage rights, then you respectfully ask them to take it down. A lot of people maybe not might not want to keep up with all this because how realistically sometimes can you keep up with what marketing tools they're using your content for like are they using it in emails are they using it in instagram or tiktok like how you it's sometimes hard to keep up with all of that so the other alternatives if you granted ownership rights and transferred your ownership rights to the brand then they can use that content indefinitely but you should still charge a one-time fee for that and i'd i'd argue and it seems like the general consensus from my research is also that the fee should be way bigger than what you would charge for a single usage rights license fee because you're giving this you're transferring your ownership rights and you're transferring them indefinitely again this is a greater topic i think you guys would benefit so much if we had a guest who can talk about this also with me and just have a bigger conversation on this and come up with like actionable steps that we can that you can take um but the point is Read your contracts thoroughly, please, because brands will do whatever they can to avoid paying you for rights and ownership for the content that you created and you're entitled to. Um, In the meantime, though, I have included an article in the show notes from MailChimp that dives briefly into usage versus ownership rights and how to ensure that you're being compensated for them. So I really recommend you checking that out because I think it was a helpful read and and it was really brief and eye-opening. So, wow, we really got into it. Uh, I think this is the longest episode we've had yet, which is awesome, but so much information, right? Brands need to do better. That's the point. Am I right? They need to do better. And in order for them to do that, we've got to get better at identifying this shit and calling them out um, and educating each other. So from legally legally trapping you into potentially having to falsely advertise, sending you in personal emails, expecting you to excitedly respond that you'd love to collab and try to sneakily snatch your rights to own your content from under you. There's just so much that brands do. Um, that I would classify as the unethical shit. But hopefully I have helped you spot some of this stuff from a mile away. Feel free to share some of the unethical, sleazy, and just overall shitty things that brands have done to you. You can always DM me at Kate Mob or send it to anchor.fm slash kindlygifted slash message. Um, and we can share some of them here on the podcast.
Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.